0: Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Our passage this morning... Comes from Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Uh, When I am done, I'll say, This is the word of the Lord. Please respond. Thanks be to God. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, "'My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me.' And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, "'My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will.' And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, "'So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray?' that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated.
1: Well, good morning. morning. Yeah, it's still morning. (laughs) Just wanted to check. Um, welcome to New King. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We have been going through, for the last probably year and a half, the Gospel of Matthew. And today we are coming to a portion where we see something very uncharacteristic of Jesus. When we read through the Gospel, we see Jesus facing Many things, and in each one, he reacts with calmness. For example, several times, people with snarling demons within them approach Jesus, and he replies calmly, Come out. We see religious leaders attacking Jesus, accusing Jesus, and in every case, Jesus replies with a parable, a teaching, a probing question with calmness. We see Jesus in the boat, and the storm is raging, and the disciples are fearing for his lo- their lives, and where's Jesus? Oh, he's taking a little nap up front on a cushion. And they wake him up, and it's like, Master, don't you know we're going to perish? And what does Jesus do? He turns to the sea and says, peace, be still. That's our Jesus. But now in Matthew 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see something very different. We see Jesus stagger. And what I want to do this morning is understand why. What were the emotions that Jesus showed? Why did these emotions cause such a reaction? And then what does it mean for us today? How do we interpret it? What do we do with this? This portion, it's in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, very clearly. It's, it's referred to in John. It's in there for a reason. Why? What do we get from it? So that's, that's the purpose of my sermon. That's what I'm going to try to do. And, and, and actually, the purpose of my sermon is when you see the emotions of Jesus and why they occurred, my prayer is you'll be drawn closer to him. You'll be drawn in as you see and can understand his emotions. Now, I want to start off with just a little bit about the setting. And the setting of Matthew 26 is draped in death. Draped in death. Are you with me on that? Remember Matthew 26, verse 2. Jesus says, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. That's death. He's talking about his death. I'm going to be delivered up. And then the chief priests and the scribes, they take counsel together how they're going to kill Jesus. And then Jesus goes to Bethany, goes to the house of, 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 this, uh, of this guy, Simon the leper. And Mary takes perfume and anoints him from top to bottom, from his head to his feet. And Jesus says, you've anointed me for my burial. Death. Right? And then Jesus has this little supper with his disciples the Passover supper, and he says, take, eat, this is my body broken. This is my blood shed. This is the new covenant for you. It's draped in death Do you not see. And now we come to the garden. And Jesus tells his disciples, he takes a little group of them and he brings them along and he says, okay, you guys, you guys sit here, right? And then he takes three more Peter, James, and John, and he brings them a little further, and he says, you guys, you guys sit here and you watch. But they fall asleep, as you know. I hope this morning that we'll take a little time out from our day and we'll sit down and we'll watch what happens to Jesus. Jesus. And if it gets a little warm in here and your eyes closed, don't fall asleep. Will you watch with me? Will you watch as we see our Savior Jesus? Let's pray together. Uh, Father God, help us this morning to see our dear Savior uh, broken by emotion, staggered by emotion. Help us to understand why. Help us to understand what it means for him to be staggered. Help us to watch. Help us to sit. Father, help me to be true to the passage as we contemplate the emotions of our Savior Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. The emotions of the king. In verse 37, if you notice, It says he took with him Peter and and James and John, the two sons of Zebedee. And it says he began to be sorrowful, right, sorrowful. and, uh, And how does it go? Troubled. Sorrowful and troubled. Well, if you look up those two words in the Greek, there's a little more meaning for us to understand. Sorrowful means grieved, grieved. The heaviness of grief. And when you and I think of grief, we think of loss. Most of us suffer the most grief when we lose somebody. It it could be divorce, and we lose a relationship. It's not the same anymore. There's a break. Oftentimes it's death. I went to a memorial service yesterday. A a young friend uh, passed away at 25, and there's a grief there. There's a heaviness there of loss of separation. So Jesus was was sorrowful. He was grieved. Why? And then it said he was troubled. What does that word mean? Anguish. Depression. In the New Testament, there are three Greek words used for depression. This is the strongest of the three. It means almost to recoil with horror. So Jesus is grieving. He is depressed. He is recoiling. And then you look down in verse 38, and it says, here we have Jesus speaking. He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. So very sorrowful, intensely sorrowful, to the point of wanting the release of death. I feel like I'm going to die, is what Jesus is saying. And it says, as he went, as he was walking, as he was coming into this place, it like hit him. It's before he prayed, if you notice. All of a sudden, something hits him. And he has grief. He has horror. He has profound depression to the point of wanting to die. What could cause our Savior to feel like this? We haven't seen this in the New Testament before. We haven't seen this in the Gospel before. What could cause it? And then we come to verse 39. 39 says, going a little further, he fell on his face. And and you and I, in our minds, we think of Jesus, you know, falling down in prayer. He's going to pray to his Father. We think of him kind of falling to his knees and then maybe going prostrate. No, no. (laughs) It's more than that. The Greek word is more than that. The Greek word is, is pipto, to be thrust down with force. It's used of when a corpse decays. And the body parts kind of fall off one by one. Maybe you've seen Indiana Jones, and people get zapped in Indiana Jones movies, and they all kind of fall to dust. Life is drained. Order leads to chaos, and the body disintegrates. That's what this... Word means. It's not just he fell to his faith. He was knocked down. He felt like he was falling apart. He felt like he was disintegrating. What could cause this in our Savior? And then you read Mark's Gospel. Mark 14 tells the same story, but it adds one more word to it. It says he was greatly distressed and troubled, and the word for greatly distressed is a different word. In the Greek, It means he was astounded. He was amazed. He was struck with terror. He was astonished. Something took him by surprise in a way he wasn't expecting, and he's driven down. The title of my sermon is The Astonished Agony of the King. And then Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel adds three more things to the the story. And you know how I work. I love to, to piece things together and to fill things out. Luke adds three more things in chapter 22. First thing, it says an angel appeared to strengthen him. An angel appeared to strengthen him. He was in such a state that God sends an angel to help Jesus. Now we're talking Jesus. The anointed, the Christ, the Son of God, the creator and sustainer of the universe needs an angel to get him through it, to strengthen it. What could cause this? And then the second thing that Luke adds is another word. It says, "Being in agony." He prayed more earnestly. Agony. I had a hangnail the other day, and man, it—you know how it is. It just bugs you. I had a canker sore one time. I had to put a, a tongue in a canker sore. You can't. No, 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 no. Being in Agony. Agony. The word means deep, sustained anguish. It means to wrestle and grapple with an emotion that is so strong that it just Breaks you down. It almost means to, to grapple unto death. A similar word in Hebrew is used back in the Old Testament. You remember that guy Jacob? Yeah? He, he wrestled with God all night. Same word, really. It's just Hebrew. One's Greek. And it means to almost wrestle to death, to grapple and hold on to death. It means to pound into Dust. And where was Jesus? Where was he exactly? Matthew says he was in Gethsemane. You know what that word means? It means olive press, olive press. This was the place where after they harvested olives, they brought them to this place. John calls it a garden when he talks about it. Matthew and Mark talk about it as Gethsemane, the olive press. It's the place where they take the fruit and they put it into a press and they turn the crank. An immense, enormous pressure comes down upon the olives and squeezes out the last drop of olive oil. Gethsemane. The olive press. Jesus is in agony. He's driven to his knees. He falls on his face. And then, and then Luke adds one more thing, the third thing. Remember I said three? The third. His sweat became drops of blood. Clots, actually. This is a, a medical condition, there's a term for it, hemotohydrosis, I believe is the correct pronunciation, where if a person is under immense emotional and mental stress, their body reacts in such a way that blood comes from the body like sweat. This is Jesus. And this is utterly uncharacteristic of how we've seen him up to this point. Is it not? We've never seen him like this in the face of everything. He's pretty cool. Not now. Not now. He's thrown to the ground. He's pounded into the dust. And an angel comes to strengthen him. Why? What? is it that is causing these immense emotions in our Savior? What could it be? Is it death? Is he worried about facing death? The whole chapter drips of death. Here's what's going to happen to me. I'm the Passover lamb. It's all going to happen. They're going to take me. They're going to beat me. They're going to spit upon me. They're going to nail me to a cross. Was that it? Well, When we read the Old Testament, we find out that people are put to death all the time and they go bravely with courage. Whether it's Daniel in the lion's den or even some of the kings, they they go to death very bravely. If you read in between the New Testament and the Old Testament, there's books called the Maccabees about the Jewish wars. Many Jews are put to death. They went with courage. They went stoically. No problem. When you read the New Testament, People go to death with courage and bravery. Stephen, the first martyr, he looks up, they're stoning him. What a death that is. We are going to pitch rocks at you until you die. And Stephen looks and I see, says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When you read about the martyrs in the early church, when you read about what the Caesars did to them, they all went bravely and stoically to death. Jesus, what's going on here? Again, very uncharacteristic. It has to be something else. What is it? It's the cup. It's the cup the scripture tells us. What does Jesus pray? Look, look. It's the cup, verse 39. And going a little further, he fell on his face. He was driven to the ground. He feels like he's disintegrating. He feels like he's falling apart. He feels like a corpse that's just, pieces are falling away. My father, he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. It's the cup. That's what's caused this emotion in him. Verse 42, again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. It's the cup. And then finally in verse 44, so leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. It's the cup. He was contemplating the cup. This is what caused the emotion. Why? Why the cup? Why on earth would this cause our Lord and Savior to feel like he's dying? Why? We have to look to the Old Testament. What does the cup mean? We find it in the prophets. Almost all the prophets talk about the cup. What does it stand for? What does it mean? Isaiah 51 says this. The cup is a cup of staggering. It makes you stagger. Yeah? Jeremiah 25. You will drink the cup and stagger. I will make those who drink it, says the Lord, a desolation and a waste and a hissing and a curse. Lamentations 4 says, the cup will strip you bare. Ezekiel 23, the cup is a cup of horror and desolation. You shall drink it and gnaw its shards like glass and tear your breasts. Habakkuk, chapter 2. You will drink the cup and your glory will be turned to shame. So what is the cup? It is the cup of God's wrath and judgment. When you think of that, when you think of God's wrath and judgment, the first thing that comes to mind is you think of the fires of hell. You think of how God's wrath is described and how the, 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 the unbelievable pain of hell is described in the New Testament. But I want to tell you, I think that's the result of something that comes first. I think what comes first is actually worse. There's something more fundamental having to do with God's wrath and judgment. You know what it is? It's separation from God. Why do I say that? Go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. God had said, obey me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to to be with you. I want to be in communion with you. I want to be in community with you. Just obey these couple of things and I will be with you. And they didn't. And what happened? God drove them out. He drove them out. Separation. Do you see? All the prophets I read from, all the prophets, you know what they're talking about? They're basically saying, okay, Israel, you have developed all these idols. I have warned you again and again. Judgment is going to fall. What is it going to look like? Another nation is going to come in of violence. Oppressive nation and they are going to kill you and they are going to torture you and they're going to drag you away And that's exactly what happened with Babylon God sent Babylon as his righteous arm of judgment And what happened you're going to go away from me my glory is going to be taken from the temple You are going to be taken from the land of promise. You're going to go into a land that is full of idols You want idols? Go have it. You reject me, go to Babylon. You see, that's what judgment looks like. It's a separation from God. Where does it show up in the New Testament? Matthew 25. Jesus separates those the sheep from the goats. He says to those on his left hand, what does he say to the goats? The first thing he says, depart from me. God's judgment means first and foremost separation. Romans chapter 1. One more place. There's a verse in Romans 1 that says, The wrath of God is revealed against the ungodly and the unrighteousness. I've struggled with that verse for years. The wrath of God is revealed, present tense. I, I don't see it. It seems like the unrighteous and the ungodly go on and they sometimes prosper, many times prosper. How is the wrath of God revealed today against the ungodly? Well, I had failed to read the rest of the chapter, (laughs) which describes it three times. It says, okay, you want to live sinful lives? You you, want to reject me? What does it say in Romans? God gave them up. Three times it says that. You want to live a life apart from me? Uh, go, go, okay, go do it. You want to revel in sin and say bad is good and good is bad? Go for it. That's the wrath of God. It's separation from him. And there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than that. So it's all through the scriptures. When the judgment of God falls... It means separation from God. The pain, the anguish, and the torment of, the, of fire is the result of separation from God. And the deeper the relationship, the greater the anguish. If you have a friend that moves away, okay, you miss him a little bit. Yeah, see you later. Have a nice life. Bye-bye. If you have a brother or a sister that moves away, you feel it more. You feel the, the, the separation. You feel that distance more. If you lose a loved one, remember I talked about grief? <laughs> the closer the relationship, the more palpable is the grief of separation. And now we have Jesus. Come back to Matthew 26 with me. Now we have Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. And I believe that what happened there is that God showed him a glimpse of the cup of God's wrath and judgment. And Jesus staggered. He was driven to the ground and he sweat great drops of blood. He was in agony. Why? Because for the first time he was seeing what it really meant to go to the cross. What it really meant to suffer. The righteous anger and judgment and wrath of God. It first and foremost meant separation. And I believe what happened here in the garden. Jesus got a glimpse of it. And down he went. Just a glimpse. The Trinity is something that you and I, <laughs> this side of heaven, will just maybe scratch the surface. Jesus had an eternity with his Father and the Holy Spirit in unconditional, infinite love. And Jesus chose to come to come to the world, to become a man, to walk in the steps of us. And those steps led to the cross, a place of separation from God. And I think what we get from the garden of the olive press is we begin to see what that means for Jesus to finally be separated. Now, I was amazed as I studied this portion and I looked at each of the Gospels. John 17, uh, it's it's a portion where Jesus prays the high priestly prayer, we call it. The whole chapter of John 17 is Jesus praying. And you know what he prays in that chapter? There's a couple of themes that are just, the prayer is steeped in them. Jesus says, Oh, Father God, I want to return to the glory I had with you from all eternity. You see, when Jesus became a man, we talk about it, he, he laid his glory aside. He, 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 his glory was cloaked. And so he became a man, became a person, by the Holy Spirit and he prays I want to be back with you Father, I want to experience the glory I had before and he says and I have these disciples and I want to bring them with me into the same glory that we might be one I want to return to that oneness that we had before and he prays that unbelievable prayer In John 17. You know what happens in John 18 immediately after? You know what happens immediately after that prayer? It says they got up and they crossed a brook and they came into the garden. And Jesus has shown a glimpse of the cup. And he staggers. And he tears his breasts Oh, Father, he says. (laughs) Did you not hear me? And he gets a glimpse. And that glimpse is culminated in the three hours of darkness on the cross where Jesus suffered the wrath of God, complete separation from him. How do I know this? Eli, Eli Sabachthani, Lama Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you not see that the first part of the cup of wrath is separation? And Jesus did that for us, knowing full well that not only would his disciples, you and I, Sleep, but we betray him yeah next next chapter they all run and they run away from him so jesus emotions were because of the cup and the cup first and foremost means separation from god And Jesus got that glimpse of the cup, yet in spite of our failings, he still went and drank it to the bottom. So what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean for us today? So many things, so many lessons that I could share with you, but I'm going to just talk about a couple. First of all, we see here in the garden the complete humanity of the king. He is fully man. You see, Matthew's gospel also prevents him as deity, fully God. Remember the transfiguration, Matthew 17. What happens? Jesus goes up to a mountain. Same thing as here, The a mountain. He brings with him three people. Same three guys. (laughs) Kind of interesting, isn't it? Peter, James, and John brings with him. And and then there's other people that show up, and Jesus is transfigured before them in his clothing. You see, what happens is the curtain is pulled aside, and his glory just shines out. And a voice from heaven comes. This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And we see the deity of Jesus on full display for a moment. And now in the garden, on another mountain, with the same three guys, we see Jesus overcome by emotion. He was truly God and yet at the same time truly man. They're both there. And what does that mean? A couple of things He is the perfect substitute. The fact that he is truly man, he can be our perfect substitute. You see, he went to the cross so that we didn't have to. He drank the cup so that we didn't have to. He is fully man, and he went to the cross as our perfect substitute. He's the perfect high priest. Right? Hebrews 4 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we we may receive mercy and find grace to help In time of need. Are you in a time of need? Draw near to the Savior. Have you suffered? He has suffered. Have you gone through depression? Many of us suffer depression. It's very common today. Jesus went through intense depression. He can understand us. See, we have a high priest that has been through these things that can empathize with us and understand us. And so we come before the throne of grace boldly because he has been through it. There's nothing he hasn't been through. Have you had a prayer? You feel like God doesn't answer my prayers? Where is God? Why doesn't he answer? Jesus knows what that's like. Have you gone through a bitter, horrible divorce and your spouse has said awful things about you and left you? Jesus knows what that's like. Have you just been emotionally, you feel like you're falling apart, you feel like you want to die? Jesus knows. <laughs> Do you see? He knows. That's our Savior. He is the great high priest. Jesus exhibits perfect obedience. It's an interesting verse... In uh, Hebrews chapter 5, let me just read that very briefly. Hebrews 5 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect or more complete, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He learned obedience. We see it. Father, if there's any other way, if there's any possibility of me not drinking this cup and suffering Complete isolation and separation from you. Please help me out of this. But there was no other way. And Philippians 2 says, He became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Tim Keller, one of my spiritual mentors, because I love his sermons and his writings says this. Tim Keller says it's all about the tree. It's all about the tree. What do you mean? You think back. Remember I mentioned Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, okay, if you obey me about the tree and you don't eat from this tree, you and I will have a relationship together of love and communion as you become my vice regents going out into the world, spreading this. If you obey me, I will be with you. It's all about the tree. They didn't obey. And out they went. Now we come to Jesus. Who scripture says is the second Adam. And where do we find him tonight? He's in a garden. And it's all about the tree. If you are obedient to the cross, which scripture calls the tree, if you go there, I will separate myself from you. He's the only person that God says that if you're obedient, I will be separate from you. You will lose for a time my fellowship, my communion, and my love. And that's exactly what Jesus does. The first Adam was not obedient and he was cast out. The second Adam was obedient so we could be brought in. Do you see that? Do you see that? It's all about the tree. Jesus being obedient even though we fall asleep. Stay awake. See the person of Jesus. You know what we're going to do in a couple minutes? We're going to have communion together. We're going to take the bread, a symbol of Jesus' body broken, yeah? And we're going to take the cup, a symbol of his bloodshed. You know what Paul calls it in in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? He says the cup of blessing that we bless. Jesus drank the cup of wrath and judgment to the dregs so that we could be brought in and drink the cup of blessing together. I trust that you will go back to this passage and see the emotions of the king. And I hope it brings you in closer to him to see what he suffered. Let's pray together. Father God, help us to watch. Help us to be awake. Help us to sit at the feet of Jesus and to understand a little deeper who he is and what he did. The king of glory was staggered so that we could be brought into communion with the Father. Help us to understand that a little more clearly this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.